0: Business is the fuel that drives America. Innovation, hard work, risk, and reward. It's what many call the American dream. And we're bringing the dream to you. It's the Business Beyond the Boardroom show with your host, Mark Steckman. Show Business Beyond the Boardroom. Uh, we talk about a lot of things in and outside the boardroom, mostly outside the boardroom, but uh, a lot of things that impact our our business lives and Joy McAdams uh, of course every week uh, talks about topics that impact us as business leaders and entrepreneurs and, and those things include our health and our well-being and our families and all of these things, how we think, having that growth mindset, but look let's face it, um, one of the biggest impacts on business at every level is divorce. And that means when a rank and file employee gets divorced, that impacts, it doesn't matter if it's a multi billion dollar business, that impacts that department in that business. There's no way you can have these major life changing events not impact. And so over the last several years, there's actually been even, uh, there been a lot of high profile divorces that have created a ton of media buzz. I mean, one of them was Bill and Melinda Gates. Another might have been uh, Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos. Speaking of Bezos, we were just talking about him. The list goes on and on. I mean, there was this summer was a, a hot summer for divorce TV, wasn't it? With Johnny Depp and
1: uh Amber Heard. And,
0: that's right. What a what a What a trial. Uh, But while not everybody getting divorced is a multi-billionaire with a massive empire or reputation to protect, many of our listeners are business owners or executives or have built even substantial nest eggs that if or when there is a divorce becomes a very important consideration in the process. And that's why I asked uh, Christina Anton Garcia to join us here on the show again. And it's been, like I said, a little over two years since we had you on the show. Glad that you're here. Welcome to Business Beyond the Boardroom.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Tell everybody a little bit about your backstory, just so they can kind of get an idea. Obviously, you're the founder of your firm, your law firm. You grew up in Tampa, and we know that you worked at a Publix at uh, Van Dyke and Dale Mabry. But beyond all of that, give us your 60-second backstory.
1: Sure. Grew up in Tampa, went to University of Florida for undergrad, got a psychology and criminology degree come from a family of psychologists. Oh, boy. thinking about going into psychology. Yeah. And figured out a way to use my psychology degree. But really what I ultimately wanted was law school.
0: If I were to ask your family when you were, let's say, a kid, what would they have said you were probably going to be in terms of your career?
1: 100% a lawyer. Really? Age two. Age two.
0: No kidding.
1: Negotiating. And I'll tell you, my daughter, who's seven, I can tell you You already. You can see it?
0: 100%. Oh, really? Okay. So you had that persistence and follow through, not giving up. You believe you're right. You're going to stick to it. All of it. All of it from the Always very beginning. Always making my case. <laughs> Interesting. How about that? So, so when you went to the University of Florida, so you, you graduated from high school. You said, I'm going to the University of Florida. Law school was definitely focused. A hundred percent. Okay. All right. So, so I stayed right there. <laughs> so, then, so then as you go through college, you, you know, law, law is, a, is a very broad field and whittling it down to a category or a niche is not easy. I mean, some people, I mean, or maybe is it easy? How did it happen for you?
1: So it was for me. It was such a natural fit because I really like to work with people. I wanted to do something that could help people. I wanted something that was challenging, creative, interesting, um, you know, could provide results. So it created a lot of things that I was looking for in a job, and it really does feel like a natural fit.
0: So, I mean, because divorce is not like, uh, like, I, I mean, it's unlike anything because it's such an emotional experience. You know, relationship is is coming to an end or, or dramatically changing in many ways, not just for one person, but for multiple people. But there's also all kinds of other things involved, the, the financial side, the, the children. And we talked about that a couple years ago, how the, what the impact it can be if there's kids involved or even pets today, right? I'm sure, sure. It, sure that comes Especially up.
1: Especially the kidless couples. The
0: kidless couples with pets. And so, you know, how do you see your role as, I mean, obviously you're a counselor. As an attorney but do you see yourself as a counselor using that psychology as well
1: absolutely I mean people skills are everything I probably settle about 90 to 95 percent of my cases and having those people skills and having the psychology background to negotiate and create a deal that works for everybody and that is best suited for my client of course the psychology comes into play every day
0: your firm is known as being one of the premier law firms for folks that are high net worth individuals and uh, or own businesses. So let's dig into that and talk about that. And one of the questions that I have and I hear frequently tossed around on that Facebook page is is a collaborative divorce. What is that? What are the pros and cons of a collaborative divorce?
1: Sure. Collaborative divorce is great for the right case. It is a, ca- a methodology to resolve a divorce where you commit to not pursuing litigation and not using the court system. One of the pros is it gives the parties a lot of creativity and a lot of power and control over the outcome of their case. These judges are really overloaded right now and can't always give the personal attention to a case. And unfortunately, often are taking a one size fits all approach. Whereas we can be as creative as uh, both parties want to be in a collaborative process. I would say one of the cons is that you do have to commit to using the team of experts, and that's generally a forensic CPA. Each party has a lawyer, and there's usually a mental health professional operating as a facilitator. Hmm. And so if for any reason one of the parties does not agree and the collaborative process ends, the team has to start over, and you hmm. have to get a new lawyer. So see. that's probably the doubt, biggest downside, in my opinion.
0: Gotcha. Well, I know that over the last several years in, in your firm, as it's, as it's continued to grow, you've come across a lot of cases where you've probably said to yourself— if they had only done this before they entered the divorce, I mean, are there a, are there some mistakes that high net worth divorces uh, have? What are some of the things that people can do to avoid those mistakes? That especially when there's assets involved, what are things that can be done?
1: Well, certainly a prenup or postnuptial agreement is one because that helps to determine and the outcome in terms of the distribution of those assets.
0: That would be if you have assets coming into the marriage, right?
1: So a prenup can say anything you want. It can actually control your income after you get married. So it doesn't necessarily just have to pertain to the assets prior to the marriage. It is a contract. Okay. Um, So prenup or postnup is definitely a good way to try to protect those assets.
0: So a prenup is, is a legal contract prior to getting married, postnup.
1: Same thing just after the nuptials.
0: I gotcha. All right. No. I don't we don't call them nuptials very often. <laughs> right. So uh, that's a that's a legal term. All right. So talk about how biz or how divorce is different when a business is involved.
1: So businesses as you were hitting on involves emotion, right? Mm. You have built this. This is like another baby to a lot of people, not quite as as important as kids. We don't want to ken it to that, but pretty similar in a lot of ways. People have poured a lot of time, energy, love, mm. sweat, tears into a business. And, and
0: their own names in many cases too, sure. right? Anton sure. Garcia, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So I think you know that that always makes it interesting, and particularly interesting if both parties worked in the business or founded the business together. Mm. So then we're sometimes fighting over: do we continue to co-own, which is not ideal, right. um, Or do you, who gets the business? Right? Which party gets it? So sometimes it's not clear cut if they both started or have been working in the business together.
0: So what does that look like? I mean, you've you've had lots and lots of cases and they're all very different. Um but where do where does it where does it even start? I mean, does it depend on the, the how long the business has been active? Does it does it one spouse do you are you looking for one spouse to go, you know what? I want to give up, get out of that business, you buy me out. I mean, what is that normally? Is there is there a normal and what does that look like?
1: So I would say there's not a normal. It's definitely not a one-size-fits-all, but it looks like generally having a forensic CPA value the business. Sometimes that CPA is joint. Sometimes each party has their own CPA. Once we have a value to the business, then we try to figure out, we call it an equalizing payment if Mm. there aren't other assets or the business exceeds what the assets are on the other side. So then we start talking about whether we can afford those payments over time and what impact it'll have on the business. Mm. We don't want to compromise the business ever. Right, sure. Because even once you get divorced, you still want your... now, former spouse, to be able to earn the money because that can impact your kids and support for you and alimony and things of that nature, right. so we've got to make sure we 're not compromising that business.
0: interesting, especially I guess if if uh, you know if you're, one of our listeners is working as you mentioned, let's say husband and wife are together operating a business, and the business is known as husband and wife operating the business, if one of those partner leaves, the potential ramifications to the consumers or whoever they're doing business with, if it's B2C or if it's B2B, I mean, it could be huge, right?
1: At the very least, we're now now talking about having a divorce, rebranding your business, all of these things at once, getting your children adjusted. So, I mean, the business does add an extra layer of life changes. Mm. There's always some impact, even if you didn't work together. Not but,
0: just financial. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. Well, let's rewind just a little bit. Are there steps to take prior to getting married when a business is owned by one of the spouses. So in other words, prior to getting married, someone comes into the they're get, getting ready to, to tie the knot and they own a business. Are there things that they should do? Or is it pretty much yeah, that business is going to become the other spouses? Should is, is a prenup the only thing they need to do or and what needs to be what kind of things need to be in that prenup?
1: Yeah, so a prenup is definitely your best answer with current Florida law on the way things stand in this state today. Um, the only thing I would also say is not commingling non-marital assets. So those that are adverse or don't want to get a prenup for whatever reason, not commingling non-marital assets. So many people have a home prior to the marriage and they later add their spouse's name. We've mm. now commingled and have some issues now with the house. It's not as clean cut. I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying this for our time right now, but. Sure. Sure. Uh, not commingling would be the the quick answer. There is try to keep things separate.
0: You said under current Florida law, what does that mean? That that t- that tells me that something in Florida is different than elsewhere.
1: Well, no, just that laws are state specific, and at any time it could change. I know in the day and age of podcasts, somebody could hear this years right, from now, sure. and it may no longer be two thousand twenty two. <laughs> for reference, yeah, maybe not accurate anymore. Okay,
0: so. all right, very good. So that's a that's an important uh, addendum there. What is a forensic uh, a forensic accountant you mentioned that? That it sounds interesting and it also sounds like, you know, CSI type type stuff. What are we looking at there?
1: Sure. We have a lot of great forensic CPAs that are qualified to testify in Florida courts. Mm. Again, our first stop is not the judge or courts, but they do a lot of work and analysis that help us settle and give us direction.
0: But what does a forensic CPA do? I mean, what is the the nuts and bolts of their job?
1: So they come in and value the business. They look at all of the financials of the business, the health of the company, if there's personal goodwill. I think we touched on that Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, but personal goodwill is where it's specific to that person. For example, my name is in the name of my business. Sure. So my business is probably valueless without me, (laughs) so I can't sell it. Right. Um, So a forensic CPA looks at all those issues, whether discounts apply, what methodology we use to value a business, whether it's an asset approach, income approach, and then they give us a range or a number, usually it's a range, of what they think the business could be worth.
0: So is that is a forensic CPA someone that would be called in, let's say there's a, uh, a marriage that's dissolving and one of the spouses believes that the the other spouse has been moving money around or there's money hidden somewhere or just isn't even familiar with the numbers. you never never seen a P&L, doesn't know what any—is that where a forensic CPA is also called into?
1: Absolutely. Tracing is what you were describing mm-hmm. is, yeah. is very important in those cases. But I think a great point is the latter, which is we often have one party— that is completely knowledgeable about the finances and trusted, Mm. the other party trusted them throughout. We now have these two people seemingly at some sort of odds and a break in that trust. Mm. And so the party without the knowledge really needs that neutral cpa to even kind of confirm what that spouse is familiar with the finances is saying
0: makes sense so it helps settle a lot of times not just for court and that's actually one of those questions that comes up in these groups all the time is is that you know is the spouse a lot of times it might be the wife and the husband let's say owns a construction company and you know she knows he plays fast and hard and maybe there's a lot of cash moving around and and yet doesn't have any idea what the assets look like you know and that's that's where so a forensic a, fr- a forensic CPA can be uh um um a divor- someone who's going through a divorce is best friend along with their attorney. Really is, helps settle. Is that something your firm finds for the client?
1: Yep, we have the same, same cast of characters we use a lot of times most of the family law firms do and they're all very experienced and we have some great people.
0: Gotcha. One of the questions that comes up a lot I see uh, in the news and things that I read right now regards uh, new technology assets. You saw that I think probably in, in, our, in our notes. Like, Let's say one of, the, one of the spouses, let's say it might be the, the wife you know she has a an Instagram account that has blown up or a TikTok account that's blown up and and now has been able to monetize it and you know in that 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 may be husband and wife but the wife is kind of the owner of that account is that an asset or is that a job and how have you, have you come across any cases like that yet or how does that look?
1: Right. So we have these influencers and I did Mm -hmm. have a case not too long ago and it's a great question. But again, that influencer generally goes back to that personal goodwill. Mm. If it is just them, it depends, I guess, what type of Instagram account we're talking. But a lot of times these influencers are basing and monetizing based on themselves. Mm. And so that's somewhat helpful. But that can be very tricky, even mm-hmm. just any of the privately held companies and stock values or, you know, how we're coming up with these numbers um, definitely can lead to some issues. In- talk
0: about the, the steps of how your firm proceeds when someone comes to you in what is probably or going to be an impending divorce. You know, what, how does your firm, and we got just about a minute or two to talk about this, but how does your firm work with the clients? What, what are the first couple of things that need to happen?
1: Sure. So the first couple of things, obviously, it's about an hour consultation, making sure it's the right fit. We probably take less than half the cases that call Hmm. because not everybody's the right fit. We're not the right fit for certain types of divorces. We handle primarily, like you said, professionals, business owners, you know, things C level executives, things of that nature. Um, That's just what our model is set up for. So Hmm. once we meet, we make sure that we're the right fit and we're rocking and rolling. We are big on a lot of things like communication with the client, constant emailing of what's going on in your case mm. and making sure that they understand the next steps and the discovery process and prepared for mediation and that they feel comfortable because that's what's most important.
0: What is how long does a typical divorce is there a typical timeline? I mean, is it do they is it is it a year? Is it three years? What what does that look like?
1: So a case without A business that is not hotly contested can be you know, inside of six months at times, as people agree quickly, Mm. but the ones of the business and the forensic CPAs, a lot of times depends on how well ordered the books are. Mm. (laughs) Books that are a mess take a lot longer, so those can certainly be closer to a year, but our goal is to get this uh, part of someone's life over as quickly as possible, because it's never really pleasant. If
0: you want it to be smooth, it's best to have great books paperwork, all the way up, at least now, have all this stuff organized, and then you could have probably, I imagine, uh, a more seamless transaction, right? Is that, is that kind of the, the the takeaway from all of this, is to, is to have all your ducks in a row, have all your paperwork, have all the books straight, that kind of stuff?
1: That and also approach it in the right manner in terms of being open, having good communication, being honest, you know, the, the, there's no correlation necessarily to how long it takes with the amount of value to business, meaning mm-hmm. I have businesses with huge values that people are mature, settle quickly, and want to get to the number and want to be fair, and that's a quick inexpensive, relatively divorce. Mm. I have people that have barely anything and want to fight like cats and dogs. Mm. So the attitude you come in with and how you want to handle it is more determinative of how the process goes than any other. Gotcha. Fight. What
0: a great, it's a great life lesson right there too. All right. Well, Christina Anton Garcia it is always a pleasure talking to you and what a plethora of information. And I hope none of our listeners ever have to go through a divorce. And with a business or any situation, but if you do, I will say, I'll throw it out there, that your firm is right here in Tampa Bay and uh, South Tampa, right? Correct. Downtown South Tampa. It's Anton Garcia.
1: What's the website? TampaAttorneys.com.
0: Tampa Attorneys. How in the world did you get TampaAttorneys.com? <laughs> you must have bought it when the internet came out because that's got to be the most valuable. That is valuable right there. If if Anton Garcia wasn't around, uh, that is a valuable uh, domain. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Well, that's a wrap of today's episode of the Business Beyond the Boardroom podcast, a feature of the Business Beyond the Boardroom live radio show. The full live radio show airs each and every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Anywhere in the U.S., all you got to do is simply go to MoneyTalk1010.com and then click on that little Listen Live button. You can listen from anywhere, even on your phone. And if you're in the Tampa Bay region, you can listen live on the radio on Money Talk 1010 AM 90. 82.1 2.1 FM or 99.5 HD2. Now, I'd love to connect up with you on the socials as well. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you want better digital marketing results for your business, hop over to my website at markstechman.com. I appreciate you listening. Make it a great day.